This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com. Hey, this is Hannah Forden. I'm the program manager here at Heritage Radio Network. This year, we're celebrating HRN's 10th anniversary, and I want to thank all of our listeners and members for being a part of an incredible year of food radio. We never would have made it this far without all of you. So HRN is now in its summer fun drive, and this is when we turn to you and ask that you make a donation to help ensure a bright future for food radio. Whether you listen to one show or 20, there's a reason why you keep tuning in week after week. All of our content is powered by a small nonprofit, and we rely on your generosity to keep going. Help us keep broadcasting the most thought-provoking, entertaining, and educational conversations happening in the world of food and beverage. So become a member today. To celebrate our 10th anniversary, we have some brand new member gifts available online, so I encourage you to snag your new favorite pizza-themed t-shirt or enamel pin today and show the world how much you love HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate so you can snag your 10th anniversary member swag. And thank you. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, Life's a Banquet, the show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara, horrible, starring your hosts, me, Brett and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet! Want another? Consider it done. Oh, hello. Well, welcome to Life's a Banquet, the podcast about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable, and of course, the highs and lows of those things. Again, this week, your, the show is brought to you by the beautiful city of Ithaca, New York. I haven't been. I'm intrigued to go. I was just trying to get some uh, facts about Ithaca right before this episode started, but there's just simply too much to retain. I am interested in the waterfalls. Today, I will be hosting the show alone. Uh, my name, of course, is Zara Tangora. Your other co-host, Bretton Scott, is off on a tour of... America's Northeast. (laughs) Yes, Breton is touring Ithaca. We've sent him there. (laughs) Matt, we have Matt in the studio. I'm here. I'm here to help. Thank you very much. Uh, So I will be talking to you straight. I'm going to come at you fast. I'm going to come at you loose uh, for about 45 minutes. And if you can't handle that, then I suggest you tune out now and take a trip to Ithaca, New York, and one of its 150 cascading waterfalls, also famous for garbage plates and uh, Cornell University. Do you know that, Matt? What do you know about Ithaca? Anything? Everything I know about Ithaca, I learned from that pre-roll. <laughs> Wait, what's it? What, talk to me about garbage plates. Oh well, okay. A garbage plate is something that's actually famous in Rochester, but I believe they have them throughout uh, 
the northern part of New York State. It's a regional delicacy. It's a regional delicacy. Um, It's a bunch of things, let's say some french fries, potato salad, other potato-related things, tater tots, hash browns, covered in like a meat slop. Potato ten ways. Exactly. A stuffed baked potato, a potato skin. And then they top it with like sloppy meat juice and coleslaw and like macaroni salad and like ketchup and cheese. You can't say sloppy meat juice on the air. <laughs> well, that's only because you're a vegetarian. So <laughs> I think a lot of there may be other listeners who like to hear sloppy meat juice. So, guys, today um, on the show, instead of doing regular episode, I am just going to recite uh, a transcript of America's favorite podcast, My Favorite Murder. So, uh, look, listen, boppity boo, stay out of the forest, fuck, fuck, shit. Just kidding. I'm going to do an episode by myself and I'm going to reveal the uh, topic in just a moment after I tell you a little bit about my week. So uh, I'm basically Amelia earhart it today. And a funny thing about Amelia Earhart, for anyone who didn't go to school, is that it's actually spelled Earhart, which is confusing because it sounds... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and we associate her with the air, so you would think it would be Earhart. Exactly. It's not. We've it's all... bad branding on Amelia's part. <laughs> We've all... Yeah, she really should have thought about that. Her second biggest mistake. Exactly. <laughs> Matt, everybody, you are very silly. Um, yeah, it's very confusing. Uh, we would have all liked a lot better if it was spelled Earhart, but it's not. It's Earhart, so get it right or pay the price, folks. Um, so this week, I had a pretty good time. I took a little trip upstate New York, not to Ithaca, not that far. Don't Where, get, don't where'd get, you go? I went to <laughs> I went to Kingston, New York, to visit some old friends of mine, one of whom in the couple, my one friend Alexis is an acupuncturist and a mother of two amazing children and her husband Kyle, the father, uh, owns a company called Oyster Party and they do a lot of oyster catering. Uh, free plug for Oyster Party for all your cater- oyster catering needs. But he also just opened a place called the Kingston Standard Brewing Company. So check that out. It was pretty fun. Um, also finally made it over to Gaskins, which here in my notes has been autocorrected to Haskins. Um, but it is actually Gaskins opened by a lovely friend of mine named Sarah Gaskins. And it was great. So delicious in Germantown. I'm plugging all things upstate New York. Sorry, not in Ithaca, but if you go to Ithaca, I hear there's a wonderful Chili's on Route 3. (laughs) Kingston is a great stop off on your way to Ithaca. Exactly. When you're planning your next family vacation to Ithaca, please stop in Kingston, New York on the way and then Germantown. Um, so my week was pretty good. I actually made a couple of really fun things. I'm just going to leave an awkward pause in the place where Bretton will, was supposed to be saying something. So I'm just gonna be like, I made a great thing this week. I made caponata. What about you? And yeah, wait, gonna... do we want to <laughs> call Bretton right now and get him on the phone? Uh, yeah, he's probably neck deep in tartar sauce, though. So we might want to leave that alone. Although, actually, I think he's in Montreal. I think they extended their trip to Montreal, him and Preston, those two globetrotters. Um, so he's probably shoving his face with Queen Amon and duck fat and all those kinds of things. No, let's not call him. I've got this. But um, anyway, so I uh, I made some things this week. I had a lot of leftovers in my fridge after uh, being away for the weekend. So I came back to a limp carrot, a soggy snap pea, a bunch of pickled things in my fridge that are just dying to be eaten that I keep ignoring. So I said to myself, I said, self, what are you going to do with all this with all this crap? And I said, I will make a caponata. Now, people, I know what you're thinking. Caponata, typically eggplant. And I know what else you're thinking. Zara, eggplant isn't available at the farmer's market right now. Well, you know what, kids? You can make uh, caponata with other things other than eggplant. That is correct. So I took for my late spring caponata, soggy snap peas, flimsy carrots, pickled fennel, 
fresh shallots and leeks, olives, anchovies, almonds, dried cherries, some rosemary, lots of fresh parsley. It was delicious. Um, and then the key to caponata is you kind of want to make it like an agrodolce, which in Italian means sweet, sweet and sour. So the same thing kind of applies to caponata. Lots of vinegar, a little bit of honey or sugar. I used honey, um, lots of olive oil, uh, salt. And actually, I also put in that lagong ma, that uh, crunchy chili soybean paste, which is very delicious, but also, I think I'm a little allergic to it because my nose started to itch uncontrollably after I finished eating it. And then I grew hair on my tongue. So I don't know. Uh, you tell me. Anyone out there who is an expert in Lagong Ma, please call me. Um, so I made that. It was delicious. I ate it with a little bit of tahini sauce and uh, called it a day. That was yesterday. Earlier this week, about one week ago from today, I made some cavatelli, some beautiful ricotta cavatelli that I had chilling out literally in my freezer. Um, and I boiled them up. I made some dinner for a friend and we had cavatelli with some sun-dried peppers. I know sun-dried peppers, drying things in the sun. It's not just for tomatoes anymore, folks. Um, so sun-dried peppers, uh, ricotta cavatelli, some hot sausage from America's favorite butcher shop, Paisano's on Smith street. This is just a free ad show. Uh, and then some <laughs> yellow zucchini was in there. Lots of pecorino cheese and some sage and brown butter. And it was so dank. Honestly, it was delicious. My dinner companion ate a ton of it and said that he has been telling everyone that he sees on the street from north to south that he loved it. Um, so that was really good. Matt, what are your feelings about Cavatelli? Have you ever had it? Uh... Don't lie. Don't I lie. Don't think so. Perfect. Well, you've got to try it. Next week, I'll maybe I'll bring you some. Also, wait. What was the first thing? I don't remember. Oh, egg. I made a non-eggplant caponato. So typically, okay. what is a caponato? Let's go back to square one with that one. I I thought you'd never ask. So a caponata is typically made with eggplant and zucchini peppers. Um, onions, like golden raisins and pine nuts, and then tossed with some vinegar and sugar and olive oil. It's like a sweet and sour eggplant relish. But I don't play by anyone's rules, especially not yours. <laughs> so Fair. <laughs> I just make caponata and always have, um, whether at home or at Brucey, uh, with anything that's available. So like in the fall, I actually sometimes make it with sweet potatoes and corn and whatever is around in that we, swing season. It's very are nice. Are we just eating this straight up? Well, you know, you can really put it with anything. So it's like a relish that can either be in like room temperature or cold. It's like delicious. If you put it on a crostini or maybe top some fresh mozzarella with it, you can put it on a chicken breast. I'd like somebody to tell me something you can't put it on. You can eat it off someone's body. You can eat it out of their butt. You can put it in their mouth. You can wash your hair with it. You can clean your floor with it. I mean, it's really very versatile, though, to be honest with you. I would avoid putting it in someone's butt, but you can. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm just here to tell you how to make eggplant or non-eggplant caponata. Um, so you should definitely try that out. I would have brought you some, Matt, but it had anchovies on it. We all know how you feel about meat and fish. Uh, I eat fish. You, you do? Some. Oh, my God. You learn something new every day about people that you only kind of know. <laughs> Yeah, that, work. That, that's very true. <laughs> you learn something new about every day about someone you see once a week for about five minutes. So additionally, I went to Bernie's, which is a restaurant that's kind of new. It was definitely new to me. It's in Greenpoint. Um, kind of like a TGI Friday's Fern Bar kind of vibe, but redone. And, 
You know, I really like to give everything a chance. I'm definitely the kind of person who likes things more than I don't like them. I'm not like hypercritical. Um, and I was like, but I did have a little bit of like, oh, let's see, new restaurants these days, all the kids and their crazy things that they're doing. But I went in and I had dinner with my good friend Becky and my cousin uh, and his wife. And it was so delicious. It was such like a fun, welcome surprise. It was, the food was delicious. We had a wedge salad. We had onion rings and steak and French fries and um, mozzarella sticks. And it was really, really good and really fun and just like lively. The service was great. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Another free plug. This show brought to you by every restaurant in Brooklyn. (laughs) Um, I also went another free plug, went to Bonfilio in Athens, New York, which I personally feel is one of the best bakeries that I've ever been to in the world and got a delicious baguette and a breakfast sandwich and... Uh, my friends and I split some cro- uh, croissants and Queen Amons, and it was really good. Um, and then just most recently, uh, what I've eaten today has been over a pound of wasabi peas, which I shoved in my <laughs> mouth feverishly as I came in the studio to tell Matt that I was doing the show alone. My tongue's burning. Yeah, the fever was actually just the feeling of burning from the peas, <laughs> exactly. not fever. <laughs> I'm like, hi, do you want one wasabi pea? I'm going to eat the other 600 that are in this bag. Um, it's very generous I've, of you, though. No problem. No problem. I was feeling very anxious um, because I'm, you know, just worried that maybe talking at you guys for 45 minutes is going to be boring. Some might call it narcissistic. I call it a dream. A little slice of heaven. We call this show business. Exactly. The show must go on, people. So anyway, I want to talk to you a little bit about today about an upcoming holiday. Maybe you've heard about it. Bestial uh, Day? Yes, Bestial Day. No, Christmas. I just want to get ahead of the curve. There's it's only- very wise. This is a crowded media landscape, <laughs> and you're really getting out in front. There's only 200 shopping days left, people. Let's get serious. Um, okay, so this Thursday, what's today? Tuesday, in two American days from today, it will be July 4th. And July 4th, 2019, will mark America's 244th birthday. Happy birthday. What did you get America for its birthday this year, Matt? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh oh. Seems like someone forgot that it was America's birthday. You're I gonna, did forget. You're going to be in trouble. So, guys, picture it July 4th, 1776. 56 peeps signed the Declaration of Independence, and thus America is born. Here is the list of those people. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to read them very slow. I'm going to spell each of their names. Um, 1941, it becomes a paid federal holiday. 1960, our current American flag was chosen. A couple other fun facts. 61% of Americans own a flag. Uh, no judge. I, you know, not, I don't own one. Let's just put it that way. Um, most American flags are made in China, of course. And $6.8 billion uh, were, are spent each year approximately on 4th of July food. And $1 billion additionally are spent on beer. Matt. Guess how many hot dogs people eat a year? Pete, wait, Pete, like how much does the average person yeah, yeah, yeah. eat? Or on Fourth of July, how many do you think get get eaten up? Uh, there's three hundred thousand Americans, three hundred fifty thousand Americans. Uh, 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 uh five hundred thousand. I'm sorry, did you just say there's three hundred and fifty thousand Americans? What did I just say? Three million, million, okay. million. Hello, <laughs> a man. Um, the uh, that one per person. Okay, um, 150 million hot dogs. So, All right, yeah, one per person would be a lot. Yeah, that would be a lot. There's a lot of people like your kin folks, a lot of vegetarian and a lot of non-hot dog eaters. Now, what we don't know for sure is whether tofu hot dogs are included in this. I'm hoping and praying not. 
Yeah, why would that? That would be atrocious. Do you eat tofu hot dogs? No. Yeah, I mean, here's my thought. I'm super into vegetarian food and vegan food, but I prefer when it comes, like, just how it's supposed to be. So, like, a delicious salad or, like, I don't know. I'll even go as far to say a veggie burger, but it's not a hot dog if it's made of tofu, right? Can we agree on that, please? Let's not fight about this. I agree with that. I've also just never seen of tofu dog. I guess I recognize those words as a thing that exists. Yeah. Have you ever seen like an actual dog made of tofu or a dog eating tofu? I've never seen a dog eat tofu. If you had a dog, would you feed it tofu or would you feed it meat? Yeah, my dog would have to be vegetarian. So, oh, wow. Know. How interesting. Okay, let's get back on track here. According to legend, on July 4th, 1776, John Adams, who fought for independence and eventually became the second president of the United States, and his wife, Abigail, beautiful name, sat down for a celebratory meal of turtle soup, poached salmon with egg sauce, green peas, boiled new, po- new potatoes in jackets, and they followed the meal with uh, Native American pudding or apple pan dowdy now i want to tell you what a potato in a jacket is because Thank obviously you. my mind just went all over the place thinking of cute little potatoes wearing clothes mr potato head mrs potato this could head. Be huge on instagram <laughs> listen a potato in a jacket is just an old school really overly lengthy way of saying a baked potato which I was just very, very surprised about. I don't. Boring. Yeah, very boring. As for apple pan dowdy, it's anybody's guess. I'm not willing to research that. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little joke, obviously, um, as soon as we come back from the break. But for right now, uh, we're going to hear a little bit pr- from our sponsors, which I'm assuming is going to be freaking Ithaca, obviously. Um, so yeah, enjoy that. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast. Come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry. Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today. Ooh, happy 4th of July. <laughs> it's not Halloween. <laughs> so much confusion about this holiday. Um, spooky 4th of July. <laughs> so, okay, Matt, I have a joke for you. <clears throat> this is kind of long. Um, three women had a very late night drinking Budweiser. Uh, they left in the early morning hours and went home separately. They met the next day for an early pint, a bunch of Alkies, and compared notes about who was drunker the night before. 
The first gal claims that she was drunk as saying, I drove straight home, walked into the house, and as soon as I got through the door, I blew chunks. To which the second gal replied, you think that's drunk? I got in my car, drove out of the parking lot, and wrapped my car around the first tree I saw. I don't even have insurance. And the third proclaimed, I was by far the most drunk. I got home, got in a big fight with my husband, knocked a candle over, and burned my whole house down. They all looked at each other for a moment, and the first gal says, ladies... I, th- I don't think you understand. Chunks is my dog. <laughs> That's very good. Listen, drunk driving is no joke. Don't do it. Please, everyone drink responsibly. So today, if you couldn't tell, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story of America's favorite, most delicious, perfect beverage, uh, Budweiser. Um, so I got most of my information for this uh, from the... Uh, a uh, book called The Bitter Brew, The Rise and, Falls of, Rise and Fall of the Anheuser-Busch Family and America's King of Beers. Just so uh, I don't get sued for plagiarism here. Yeah, citations are important. Exactly. So I'm going to take you back to the year 1857 when Adolphus Busch came to St. Louis from Germany. He was one of, are you ready for this? 22 children. Yikes. Maron. That woman. What a that, lady. Uh, by 22, they just really probably slip right out. That explains why he ended up with the name Adolphus Bush. Because they just like, weren't <laughs> trying anymore. They're just like, fuck it. Yeah, Choose you're your you're Adolphus. Goodbye. He's like, I'm going to be the strappy shortcake Bush. Um, so at the time, Germans made up a full quarter of the uh, population in St. Louis uh, in the 1850s. I guess they were just all piling on in. So in 1859, Bush lost his father, but gained an inheritance that he used to buy a brewery supply business. Then enter the next part of this Laurel and Hardy duo, Ebert Anheuser. 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 Anheuser, as in Anheuser-Busch. Ebert, and not to be confused with Elbert, which is what I really want to be saying for some reason, Ebert anheuser was not a brewer. He was one of Bush's buyers, and he was a wealthy, wealthy, filthy rich soap manufacturer who'd come into owning a failing brewery. Um, they were both from towns in Germany that were about 25 miles from each other, so they looked at each other, and it was just love at first sight. Um, Bush was a lot younger and liked Anheuser's daughter, Lily, and married Lily in 1861, and a few years later began working on his father-in-law's still-struggling brewery. Um, the Bavarian Brewing Company at the time produced such horribly tasting beer that people would spit it back across the bar at the bartenders. <laughs> wow. Which is still what I do each week when I go to Henry Public if Marty hasn't prepared my Tom Collins to my exact specifications. Get this out of my face. Um, so anyway, eventually Bush took over the company because he was the real brains of the operation, the brewer, and changed the recipe. He changed the name and thus was born the infamous... Anheuser-Busch. Um, Bush was the first person to pasteurize beer. Uh, before that, you could only get it like from the bar. What I'm assuming was just kind of some kind of trough. Uh, you would just dip your face into it and drink from a, a trough of beer. But then after that, he pasteurized it so it could go across country. Um, so he was really like doing kind of vertical integration before uh, there was even a name for it. Uh, he owned a company that built the railroad cars that transported the beers, and he owned the company that made the bottles, and he owned his own coal mine that fired the plant. So he was just basically just doing, uh, what do you call that? 
bio he was biodynamic before it was cool because that's super biodynamic all the all the coal (laughs) exactly Uh so the rabbits eat the coal and then the rabbit poop gets turned into bottles and then the rabbit blood gets turned into beer um so they obviously struggled during prohibition and bush was uh obviously campaigning to not want it to happen. Budweiser had taglines that said Budweiser spells temperance. Uh, and then trying to push that beer was like light and fun and not like as serious as obviously guzzling whiskey, which is like kind of true. Solid point. Exactly. I mean, it is mostly water. It's really just seltzer. I count all the beers I drink each day as water. Exactly. Me too. I drink eight glasses of water a day, um, out of a can. So then his son, August, Anheuser-Busch um, floated the company through t- prohibition by selling raw ingredients instead of the full product. So they were selling yeast and they were selling all the different things because you could sell the components. You just couldn't sell the beer. So I think this really was what was responsible for a lot of bootlegging. Um, but they like, it allowed them to get through the entire prohibition without sinking. And most of the other competitors did sink. Um, so they kept like over 2000 people working through this time. And then at the end they were really ahead of the curve because now beer was legal 10 years later. So a couple things about the Bush family. They say that a couple drops of Budweiser are t- put on the tongue of each Bush child before mother's milk, which I think come, is great. Come on. <laughs> they just slip right in there and start squirting beer in the kid's mouth. I mean, give me a break, please. Bushes, call me. What are you doing? Um, Budweiser is known as the king of beers and the Bush family throughout the decades, uh, and centuries of, of its, uh, cre- since its creation was pretty much like kind of royalty because they were so rich. Um, however, fast forward many, many decades to about 2010 and August Bush, the fourth, or just number four, as they call him, is kind of like, think about like uh, George W. Bush, just the the bad apple of the family, can't quite get it together, just showing up places drunk and on cocaine and maybe even possibly switched to birth with Ted Bundy. Conspiracy theories, anyone knows more about this, please call me. So anyway, he sold the company for $52 billion to InBev in 2008. And this guy is quoted as being... Uh, from an article I read, uh, like to live life in the fast lane with a penchant for power boats, motorcycles, jet planes, and helicopters. So he sounds like a real cool guy. Probably the kind of person that comes into a restaurant is like very, very nice to servers, just really thoughtful and courteous. I bet he never puts his feet on the seat. Definitely never leaves up the toilet seat. Probably just a real lover of, uh, the common man. So anyway, then in the year, also in the year 2010, um, his girlfriend is mysteriously found dead at his a mansion in St. Louis, Missouri. At the time, uh, her name was Adrian Martin. She was 27 years old. She had been a waitress at Hooters. She had wanted to be an art therapist um, and maybe an actress um, and a model. And her ex-husband, Kevin, who was a doctor, said that she did suffer from uh, a fatal heart rhythm disorder, But it turns out uh, after doing an autopsy that she had died of an accidental drug overdose. Um, Bush ended up paying $1.7 million in 2012 to settle a wrongful death lawsuit. Okay, this is not the first time this guy ended up killing or 
being pro- uh, in proximity to someone that he was dating who died. So on number on November 13th, 1983, a then 20-year-old Bush left a bar near Tucson with a woman, crashed his black Corvette. Michelle Frederick, then 22, was thrown from the car and unfortunately died. While Bush was found six hours later at his home, dazed and bloodied, suffered a cr- fractured skull and claimed he had amnesia. Um, he had, he was driving drunk and anyway, so she died at the scene and then charges, criminal charges were never pressed because he's obviously a billionaire and can get out of anything. Um, he was acquitted to another run in the law. Two years later, he's acquitted by a jury in St. Louis on assault charges after police chase ended with an officer shooting out the tire of his an officer shooting out the tire of his Mercedes Benz. I got a little confused on that because I'm reading something from uh, a British newspaper and they spelled tire T Y R E. You're like, I have no, what is, what is the hell's going on here? Um, so anyway, uh, he was also accused of trying to run down two detectives, um, but testified that he was feeling that he was fleeing as he feared the unmarked police vehicle was kidnappers. Then in 2017, police are called to an Illinois airport because a pilot was quote hammered and trying to fly a helicopter. Authorities then found out that it was Bush the fourth, um, found several bottles of prescription drugs in the helicopter along with three loaded guns. During the investigation, Bush told officers he feared he was about to have an anxiety attack and started running, saying he needed more oxygen to cope with the anxiety attack. So, the, I mean, I mean, this yeah, guy, that's twenty years of bad behavior, but he's probably turned a real good oh, corner. Uh, in now the last I'm sure two. he's fine. Honestly, if anything, guys, this is just proof of that money does not buy happiness and often just causes a lot more problems. Does buy a helicopter though? It buy it doesn't buy a happiness, but if happiness to you is a helicopter, then I guess it maybe it does. Happiness <laughs> is a helicopter. helicopter. <laughs> so going back, the Bush family had a lot more crazy. Uh, things in 1934 mr bush's grandfather august senior um who was president of the company killed himself with a revolver in 1976 peter bush the son of august bush jr and the half uncle of august bush the fourth shot and killed a friend dick cheney style he claimed the gun went off accidentally as he tossed it on a bed pleading guilty to manslaughter he only received five years probation again this is what happens when you're rich so This is obviously a crazy story. Obviously, I am just repeating what I read. I do not want to get sued by Budweiser in any way. Um, If by some (laughs) chance I do, this is actually Brent and Scott, not Zara Tangora. I just sound a lot like her. So that's the crazy story of Budweiser. And, you know, I mean, we all love it. And some of us hate it because it's not really that good. Um, I think this is a good moment to point out that InBev is a Brazilian company. So when you're you're feeling real good about your American beer this year on July 4th, Right. It's a Brazilian company. Thank you, Brazil. Brazilian beer. Happy Brazilian Independence Day. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is it is really crazy. But I wanted to do the story because we all do think of Budweiser as being synonymous with Americana. Um, and it's a pretty crazy, crazy story. Definitely high, lots and lots of highs and lows. I will not lie. I am someone who... I respect good beer and I think it's tasty, but if I, I'm not really a big beer drinker and when I do drink a beer, it is always a Budweiser and usually poured into a cork container over ice. Bud heavy? Bud, wait, isn't it, is Bud heavy just regular Bud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yes, then Bud Heavy. But then there's also Bud Ice, which when I was about, I don't know, 15 years old, again, uh, underage drinking, not promoted here on the show. But when I was 15 years old, I drank Bud Ice and chased it with shots of beef eater gin and then nice. went to a friend's Sweet 16 party and I vomited all over the dance floor and then people didn't notice. So like her family members were dancing in, into my puke. Wait, uh, how did they not notice? No, but I was sneaky about it. I was always a stealthy puker. I still am. Have you ever puked in the studio and not told me? Yeah, I just did before because I got so nervous about doing the show uh. by myself. So on that note, I'm going to give you guys some recommendations for throwing a fabulous 4th of July party if you don't have a grill. Easy, clean segue, not awkward at all. Um, so for our <laughs> chef recommends this week, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So um, my go-to always at any kind of party that I want to make fabulous, I have two things that I will always go to. Number one, an ice luge. It makes any party way better because nothing says party like putting your mouth where someone else's mouth has been uh, on a giant block of ice. M multiple someone else's. Exactly. All the someone else's. If you really want it to be a good ice luge, you should get one that's shaped like some kind of genitals. A butt, a pair mm -hmm. of boobs, mm -hmm. penis is always a crowd pleaser. All your uh, kind of curious straight friends will just go over and be like, look, I'm sucking a penis just like I've always wanted to but never was able to say comfortably. But now that it's made of ice, and I'm in front of a bunch of my family members, it seems appropriate. So um, that's my first recommendation. Ice Luge is fabulous. Couldn't couldn't recommend it more. They uh, aren't necessarily priced to sell. They're a little bit expensive, but just have everyone throw you five bucks or get a job that pays you over $2 million a year. Or get a chainsaw and a huge block of ice. Exactly. You heard it here first on Life's a Banquet. Go buy a chainsaw and throw out the instruction manual. Um, and my second recommendation is for... Uh, the best party starter ever, a six foot sandwich. You can order uh, a special bread. If you're here in New York from any one of the five boroughs, fabulous Italian bakeries, um, in my neighborhood, I will always get one from Zola's or Caputo's. You usually need a couple of days lead time. And it's a giant roll that comes in a six foot long box. And it's actually not heavy. You could carry it home yourself. How? Yeah. So it's you fine. Just carry it home? Yeah, yeah. 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 They give you a sturdy box. One person can carry it. They're not very heavy. Um, and then just get a bunch of different things. Now making a six foot sandwich for, you know, filling that whole thing up can get kind of expensive. So unless again, you own your own helicopter, you might not want to fill the whole thing with cured meats and cheeses, or you might, but there's some other kind of options that can help stretch it. First of all, iceberg lettuce, everyone's best friend um american cheese different kinds of pickled vegetables lots of just pickles in general um and then kind of you know understand that you also don't necessarily want it to be so big that it's like everything's falling out i made one last year that was so great but there was so much stuff on it that was actually hard to eat so it doesn't have to be like stuffed to the gills i think it's fun to do in front of everybody and make it but you can also you know have it made ahead and just like slice it into pieces if you're kind of more of a boring person that's completely fine um but those those are my two greatest recommendations. Um, and not everybody has a grill, especially here in the city. Uh, also chips and dip, always great. A chip buffet, lots of hummus, maybe put a bunch of things on skewers. Um, just have fun or go to someone else's house who has a grill, which is always the best recommendation. Just use your friends. Um, okay. So dipping into top three, I'm going to do three top threes today. And then, Matt, maybe I'll ask your opinion on some of these, too. Yeah, what? So I wanted to start uh, motivated by our topic of Budweiser. I wanted to talk about my three favorite dive bars, a place where you would only drink a Budweiser and wouldn't dare to ever really get anything else except for a beer and a shot. So 
Number three favorite dive bar, Alibi in Fort Greene on DeKalb. It's amazing. Their shots are gigantic. Um, and the beer is, I think they probably only have Bud and like Miller High Life. Um, Forlini, which is an amazing bar uh, in Chinatown attached to uh, an Italian restaurant by the same name, which is kind of my go-to if I'm ever in the city. I'm really a creature of habit. Um, and then my number one is Gunther's Tap Room, which is in Northport, my hometown, uh, Northport, Long Island. And Jack Kerouac was said to have hung out there. Um, it's a rad place. I remember I went to go see my friend's band, Japanther, there play like 10 years ago. It was probably the most fun night of my life. If you ever find yourself on the North Shore of Long Island, do yourself a favor and stop into Gunther's Tap Room. Not a sponsor of this show, but I really like it. Matt, do you have any dive bars that you love? Uh my god i found the most amazing dive bar up towards kingston the last time i was up there oh, it really? was like in the middle of the freaking woods whoa it was crazy it was like a biker hangout it sounds great i don't remember where it was i'll figure it out it was on the cat no it was on the catscale side all right i'm gonna piece wow. this together but the answer is no great too bad <laughs> Short none answer of us is no. can ever go there <laughs> um okay so maybe you'll have a better answer for this next topic my yes. top three favorite fourth of july movies um, number three, The Sandlot. Okay. Loved The Sandlot as a kid. Number two, duh, Independence Day, Will Smith, Call Me. And number one, can you guess what it, my number one favorite Fourth of July movie is? I am having a hard time with thinking of four, Born on the Fourth of July is the only one that I can think of currently. Uh, no, Tom Cruise can go straight to hell. But no, my number one favorite Fourth of July movie is Jaws, of course. Ooh. It's scary. There's a shark in the water. It could only be scarier if he was like holding a machine gun. <laughs> Wait, the shark? That shot frogs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I love Jaws, though. And I was swimming. Uh, I went to Robert Moses, which is out in Long Island. And uh, I went with a couple of friends. And we saw a pod of dolphins go by. But it was Ooh. scary because at first, like, a dolphin fin looks like a shark fin. And I have to be honest. Like, also very no. reasonable to assume that shark could be, like, trailing oh, yeah. dolphins. Dolphins oh, are no. dark food. 100. And, like, um, there are definitely sharks out there. I think a shark attack, I was just mentioning this weekend, like, my number one most feared way to die would be sinking into quicksand. But I think number two would be to be, like, bitten and eaten by a shark. I don't, I, I never consider, where do I have to avoid to not die to quicksand? Um, I mean, that, everywhere. Gonna happen? It can happen anywhere. I recommend if you don't want to sink into quicksand to just stay right where you are. Right here in the studio is probably the least likely place. Don't move out of the studio. Um, I don't know. In the forest, I guess, right? In the Princess Bride, they were in the middle of the forest. I've, I know it can happen in the beach. I saw something about a short film this year. Two kids sunk, one of them sunk in a rock quarry. It's really like... The beach is just deadly now you can't yeah. go in the water because of the sharks you can't go in the sand because of the quicksand i know the only good thing is thinking about a shark sinking into quicksand and then it's that, like that it's problem, headed towards you solves itself it's headed towards you and then it just gets stuck in some quicksand and sinks down um okay and then my top three favorite uh fourth of the july uh foods are number three a miami vice which is half pina colada half strawberry daiquiri, which some could argue is not a food, but there are strawberries and coconuts in there. So I'm going to go ahead and say it is. Um, we used to go out to Nick's Bar in Montauk before it became such a freaking celeb hang. Uh, it's not there anymore, but it was this cool, like, trashy bar on the mm. beach in Montauk. I grew up going to Montauk um, as a civilian and not a tourista because I grew up on Long Island. And the most famous, I always say the most famous person you ever see out there was, like, Chevy Chase. Now it's all Paris Hilton doubt. That's still a relevant person, right? 
Indeed. <laughs> um, my number two favorite uh, Fourth of July food is like a good trashy burger on like a Martin's potato roll with American cheese, ketchup. Um, if you don't like ketchup on a burger, I'm sorry. I have no time for Wait, you. does your list of burger toppings stop there? Because you need to pile it on. Well, I like pickles also. You, I mean, if I had been allowed to finish, I like pickles and I like onions. Now, I'm going to tell you what I don't go for typically on a burger. And it's like, I like it, but I don't really fucks with it because I feel like it makes it too slippery is a tomato and lettuce. What? Like, I like it, but it's not, it's not as important to me. Like a pickle is there for the tang. Um, or pickled onion is fine, and onions there for that allium vibey. The cheese is obviously for you know the uh, for protein, added protein and calcium. And a Martin's bun is important. I like butter on the bun as well. I also like mayo on my burger. If you have a problem with that, you can go to hell. Matt, what do you like on your uh, garden burger? <laughs> <laughs> Bacon. Uh-huh. Bacon? A I ba- mean, bacon, I don't actually do that that often, but bacon on a veggie burger is, you know, Ooh. just a fun uh, yeah. mindfuck. Yeah, it's really good. What would you put on a burger? When's also the last time you ate a burger? I eat burgers all the time. So unlike you, I happen to love, I love vegan junk food because oh. like if you, okay, uh, uh-huh, you know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway. it's just so, got weird. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but no, I love, uh, the thing about the burger that I like is just that it's like a vehicle for piling on everything you've got so yeah. i don't know recently uh like I, I make a lot of pico de gallo during the summer so oh, some of yeah. that goes on the burger with pickles chopped in i call it pico de pickles oh that's cool that's um. confusing to me though because i gotta be honest with you while that sounds delicious and i fully respect the pun more than really than anything it's else really well <laughs> pe- mean. that's true it's not really a pun it's, it's just it's just cute yeah. it's just so cute yeah i can picture you just coming out in your like little apron and being like here honey to your like fiance i yes. made some pico to pickle for you yeah but you know i don't really understand how it goes on the burger doesn't it slash Slip off the sides, little yeah, bits but the of whole it. Point is that like the okay. half, the half of you should put so much stuff on the burger that like a solid quarter of it ends up on the plate, and then you just eat that with your hands right. afterwards, like an animal. Yeah, that's cool. I'm good with that. I'm I'm a condiment whore, and I also feel this. I feel similarly similarly about that with like a taco. Like if I go to Chilos and they have like you know they have that all their sauces and pickly things. Like I will put as many pickly things and sauces as humanly possible on anything. I guess for some reason I want a burger to like conveniently just munch right into my mouth. Now listen, if I don't get serious though, I'm going to miss my number one favorite thing. Um, a vodka soaked watermelon. Hell yes. Okay. Now I have to give a tip for this because I think the first time that I made it, I was like, why is all this vodka just pouring right out? And it's physics people. You have to drain some of the watermelon juice out before you can put the vodka in. It's only one shell. It can only hold so much. So you poke a hole in that motherfucker. You let the watermelon juice drain out into a cup, save it. It's delicious. And then you stick the bottle of vodka in, and then you eat it. But be careful, because it's vodka. How long do you need to let it drain? Uh, I don't know, four or five days? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'd like at least a couple hours. I'd say at least like four hours. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's really good, though. And that, that's like a fun party thing. Now, I also really like macaroni salad. I like coleslaw. I love uh, barbecued chicken. You're really just pro this holiday. I like Fourth of July. You know, it's interesting. I'm not... Um, I obviously am not a super, I'm not a nationalist whatsoever. Duh. Um, read my bio, but I, you know, I, I feel very lucky like all all of us do to live in America and be a lot of the, you know, freedoms and the liberties that I have. And I get to sit here on this show and talk shit about Ithaca. I mean, I couldn't probably do that in a lot of other places, but, uh, 
you know, I'm not the most, I'm not a flag waving person. Um, but I, you only buy American made. That's true. I can't find any American made flags and therefore I don't own one. Um, no, I, you know, for the reasons that I'm sure the other two people who are listening to the show feel similarly, I have complicated feelings about some of the practices we have in this country. Um, but I do like 4th of July because I really love summer. Um, and I'm somebody who, I, th- you know, I never really realized this before, but I think I kind of do suffer from seasonal depression just because I think there's something for me, particularly about like the winter and being like scrunched up and like slashing through cold. And like, I just, it doesn't really work for me. And then I, I think I have like spring depression too and also fall depression. But in summertime, <laughs> I am... I feel amazing now. Uh, so 4th of July kind of is just like epitomizes that kind of thing for me. Also fun fact, when I was growing up, my dad, um, RIP was the manager of a country club and we lived on the golf course and they had this company that did, that does the Macy's fireworks also did the fireworks for my dad's club. Nice. Yeah. So like we would go sit on the golf course and uh, watch the fireworks and it just was always, it always held like kind of a special place in my heart. I love the smell of barbecue. I love fireflies, like that quintessential kind of Americana summer thing that is just very, endearing and heartwarming and you know it's nice to see people be happy like we like life is hard right it's actually like kind of a struggle a lot of the time so I don't know I think there's something about holidays that feels really good because it's just really nice to see people be happy and I hope that all of you are happy on this fourth of July and I can't possibly thank you enough for all listening to me chit chat and Matt thank you so much for participating in this episode you're so funny I'm always here for you I know you literally are always here when Sometimes I'm, here. I'm at the bar trying to get a drink <laughs> but then I'm back here for you in a few minutes <laughs> thank you and thank you to Ithaca New York um for being the butt of our jokes, but in all seriousness, what a great sponsor. And I just can't wait to get there. I'm going to apply to Cornell after, uh, we stopped taping today. And so guys also please, uh, take the time to visit heritageradio.org and learn about some of the ways in which you can participate in our summer membership drive. There's lots of exciting gifts and, uh, donating to heritage radio is the best thing you can possibly do with your money. I feel compelled to say that it's heritageradionetwork.org. No, no, it's not. We changed. Okay. <laughs> we changed. Um, no, heritageradionetwork.org. Listen to Matt. He knows more than I do. That's what I meant to say. But the point is, uh, please donate. We love you. You love them. We love us. Let's all get in bed and roll around together and donate. Listen, guys, thanks so much. Have a great holiday. Please be safe. Drink responsibly. And hasta la pasta. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.